This episode of Little Bit of Life podcast is sponsored by The Elephant Organics. The Elephant Organics was launched by Liz and her father-in-law shortly after her daughter and his first grandchild were born. Their company is run by a dedicated team of moms who want the very best for their families and for yours. They are committed to providing high quality, super comfortable clothing in gorgeous prints and styles that your family really wants to wear and live in. And the best part, they are sustainably made. Their motto is where organic meets real life. I am absolutely in love with their products. It is loungewear that you can turn and accessorize into going out wear. It makes you feel beautiful, comfortable, and exactly who you are meant to be. Make sure you order today on their website at www.pinkelephantorganics.com. And the best part, there is something for everyone. Whether you have a newborn, a toddler, children, you're a new mom, a stepmom, or you just love the feeling of loungewear and being comfortable in your own skin. And yes, there's even something available for men. You can get matching pajamas for that picture-perfect moment. Again, make sure you order today at PinkElephantOrganics.com and bring out the beautiful when organic meets real life. Welcome to Little Bit of Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tabitha, better known as Little on social media. A lot of you may know me from social media, but Little is shown off the apps. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and occasional chats on topics of what we seem to think but don't say. Special guests will join in that have impacted me along the way. Very little is left off limits. Enjoy on your favorite streaming platform, watch live videos of interviews on YouTube, and let's dive into some topics together. Welcome into another episode, a little bit of life podcast with Little. I have an amazing mom that is on this very special episode today with me. I found their story while scrolling on TikTok and I was just amazed at not only the beautiful smile that her daughter Olivia has, but the tenacity of two parents that are looking for an answer, praying for a cure, and hoping that their story about their child saves one other family. Meet Olivia. She has a rare terminal genetic disorder that is called San Filippo syndrome type B. They are here to share updates on Olivia and spread awareness. Think of Alzheimer's just in a toddler form that is exactly similar to San Filippo syndrome. And there is no cure currently for this, but there is plenty of research that is being done. Please sit back and enjoy today's special episode. And it means the world to me, as well as her mom, Erin, to share this special episode with the world. Hey guys, welcome into another episode, a little bit of life podcast with little. I found this amazing couple on TikTok. Yes, it's that platform that we all seem to scroll and we're all bored in the evenings and this story popped up and for the first time ever, I found every avenue and platform to reach our guest today. Her name is Erin. I was so moved and touched by your story of your daughter, but not only that, but how you're also choosing to just bring this to light for so many other people so they don't feel alone. So Erin, welcome. I'm so honored to have you on today. Thank you so much, Tabitha, for having me. And um, never would I have thought TikTok could share uh, our story like this, but it's been a great avenue for, for getting out her story. So. Mm-hmm. so for those that may not have seen the video or seen anything that I have posted, Tell us about the cutest bundle of joy that you have, your daughter. Why are we here today? Yeah, uh, Olivia is her name. We uh, we call her Liv. 
she turned three in December and she's the sweetest, cutest, most adorable, loving little girl that you've ever met. She has the biggest heart um, and we love her to pieces. So last year we were devastated when we got a genetic diagnosis after a medical workup of a rare fatal genetic disorder called San Filippo syndrome. Olivia is missing an enzyme that is required to break down a toxic waste in her body. So although she was born healthy, we were given this clean bill of health when we brought this beautiful baby home from, um, from the hospital. A couple little things started building up and building up and building up, which led, um, led to this diagnosis. And this toxic waste that builds up in her body over time takes over. It takes over her brain, all of her organs. It's often referred to as childhood Alzheimer's because she'll really peak probably around the age of two to three cognitively. Um, and she's learned to speak, although it's she's behind and she's learned to walk and feed herself. She'll slowly lose those abilities. And there is currently no cure or really any treatment that helps. Um, life expectancy ranges between mid to late teens. Um, and after we got this diagnosis, we felt like this dark shadow was put over our family's um, house or we were crushed and hearing that really there was nothing we could do was not okay with me. Um, I needed an avenue to vent. I needed an avenue to journal. And so there came her Instagram and her TikTok account um, with this idea to start a large fundraiser. So mm -hmm. there are 4,200 kids across the world approximately that have San Filippo syndrome. Um, so our goal is to raise funds, which push for research, which help lead to clinical trials. The clinical trials might not be life-saving, but they are getting there. Genetics are getting there. So we are very, very hopeful that with enough funding, we can get these kids a cure and these mm -hmm. families, you know, an answer. Have you ever heard of, like before the diagnosis, have you, did you hear anything about this condition? Were you aware of it? Or is this something that, I mean, I'm sure as a parent, you're Googling every possibility you can find an article and trying to see, okay, she has this, but she doesn't have that. Are you, I mean, was that something in the beginning that was just, I can't even imagine how new that would be, especially as a parent. Yeah, we were really, um, when we heard the word lysosomal storage disorder, which is the family of of illnesses that she has. That was new to us. We had never heard that before. And we were going down the road of like celiac disease, like a gluten intolerance, dairy intolerance. She has this really, it's really cute, but this little distended belly and a lot of loose stools. That actually was the main focus of where we began our um, kind of our adventure into finding this there were lots of other things in hindsight that she had that we didn't, we kind of just wrote off to like, well, this is, you know, some kids have this, some kids have this, you know, but Olivia had all of these things. Um, so we were really down the lines of, oh, wouldn't it be, you know, unfortunate if she had celiac disease and had to, you know, be gluten-free for the rest of her life. Well, right now I would absolutely take that as a very easy answer to the alternative, which is what we got. Um, we, I know when at one point we had a enlarged liver on one of her ultrasounds. So we were kind of plugging in little things here or there, but never did 
or at least that I remember San Felipe syndrome or anything similar to that coming up. That- it breaks my heart because in the video on TikTok, you explained that you get to see your daughter's personality come out and she flourishes and you get to see how incredible she is and unique she is. And with this condition, it removes that from her. She doesn't even have that chance to to get to that peak moment of, you know, going through all of the teenage years and even the school years, because like you said, it's something that is going to affect her and there is there is no cure. Yeah, it's it's incredibly hard to have these moments where I just see a simple video that a mom posted of their daughter doing gymnastics or you know, a father-daughter dance, and it's like, that. it's great for them, and that's wonderful, but it crushes my soul because, you know, unless there's a cure, we won't get there. Mm-hmm. And as sad and somber as it sounds, I'm almost accepted that as our reality. We just don't have the time because Olivia's three. The damage is already being done. Um, the damage mm-hmm. that's done by this is not reversible. So if they were fine to cure in 10 years, Olivia might be in the final stages of this disorder and be unable to be really helped. So the gravity of the situation is that we know this is likely inevitable, that she's going to go down this horrible path. And that just is really hard. It's taken me a long time to swallow that and to like accept it. I'm still not fully accepting it. I have hope that, I mean, there's so many genetic scientific breakthroughs that are coming through right now. And it science is so incredibly cool. Um, the types of therapies that they're doing where they're, um, they're inserting um, kind of this, I don't know what to call it, like a port in the brain that delivers the mm-hmm. enzyme she's missing directly into her blood, or they're putting the gene that she's missing in a little viral vector and putting that into her. Like it's just incredibly cool. The things that they're doing, but it's just been very hard to get it to the final stage where the FDA approves that it's safe enough. It's effective enough. Um, There have been clinical trials already. There have been kids with this that have gone through clinical trials, but they just haven't been successful enough to meet FDA approval. And that's really disheartening is to see these kids that the parents think are doing really well in the trial. Um, And then they don't get the approval and they lose the funding and the medication is no longer made. And it's like, I just, I don't want that to be the future for all of these kids forever. Mm -hmm. There has to be an answer. (laughs) For those that are listening, I know so many are probably like, okay, um, Tat, why are we doing this episode? Like, this is sad. It is sad, but like the motto of this podcast is, it's what we seem to think, but don't say. So if you're listening and you're a parent, you're a grandparent, or maybe you're trying to become a parent, how many of those small moments are you taking for granted? Like she said, when she sees those videos, we're not promised tomorrow. None of us, none of us are, but especially in your case, every moment, I'm sure every milestone, every little laugh, you are storing that in your memory bank because I mean, I can't even, I can't even begin to imagine how you process that on the day to day. I mean, even in that video, I mean, I get choked up even talking about it, but when you talk about, you have your wedding dress, that's in the back of your closet. That's what every mother wants with their daughter. They know that that moment is coming. The first boyfriend, the first heartbreak, the wedding, and it's being removed from you and you're fighting to get answers and clinical trials and anything that you can, like you said, for that hope that it might be that one 
test or that one trial that gives you more time. Yeah. And that's what we're asking for is more time with her, more good days. So the the prognosis of San Filippo is she's doing really well right now. She's significantly behind her peers. She's probably she is she was tested and she's three years and three months old and she tests around a two year old from in terms of like communication, cognition, et cetera. And these years are pretty good, but we will likely enter like a hyperactivity phase, a behavioral challenge. It'll be very difficult for us to go to restaurants, um, to go out, to travel, to be on a plane with her. Um, it's just she'll be very loud and, and people won't know and she won't be able to communicate well with us. Um, and then she'll likely lose her ability to walk and to feed herself. So she'll be potentially having a G-tube and be wheelchair bound or something similar. And knowing that we're in the good phase right now, we have to enjoy what we have right now. Because even though we are, which is so hard because we're in the toddler phase, which is most parents' hardest point, it's very hard to be like, oh, enjoy it. Enjoy every bit of this. (laughs) Do it. That's so hard when you're changing you have two young children, you're changing diapers. You feel like you're also a full-time parent or full-time. Um, we both work full-time still. You're trying to manage all the things, but then there's the side of you that's like, oh, you should be enjoying every moment. Well, man, that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> trying to just survive, but then you're also trying to love this little girl because you know that this is the best that you're going to probably get out of her. And then- mm-hmm discipline you know how do you discipline a child that doesn't maybe understand or will never understand how do you say oh no we're not gonna you know no screen time today we're gonna work on reading well you know ah that's hard so we are struggling it's a big mental especially for me as a mom we're always thinking about all of the things that we're, we're doing and what's to come and what's next and it's a big big mind challenge um, to be given this diagnosis. With a diagnosis with your child, it doesn't just affect, obviously it affects her, but how does this affect your relationship and your marriage? I can't even begin to imagine because it's something where you have to pull kind of yourself out of those moments, work with your partner. And like you said, you're still working, you're still maintaining a household, you're still trying to keep your mental health alive, and you're still being a mom. But how does this affect your relationship, especially with your marriage of knowing that the the time is running out, but also still being there for your partner, because you each are experiencing something different. As a mother, you have all these dreams and all these hopes, he has dreams and hopes as a father. So how has this kind of worked within your marriage as well? Yeah. I would definitely say it's a day-to-day challenge. Um, Every marriage is a challenge regardless. And you say your vows for better or for worse in sickness and in health, and you never really fully grasp, one, how quickly that can present itself, and two, the gravity of that is when it's a child. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they say, you know, I think every every, average marriage is 50% divorce, and I think special needs is close to 80%. So the statistics aren't on our side for success. Um, We are using our resources. We have amazing parents that are helping us on both sides of our families. We are talking. I am doing this journaling to sort of be my outlet because honestly, this 
is in the forefront of my brain almost at all times. And our relationship mm-hmm. takes a back seat. And unfortunately, sometimes my relationship with my son also does because Olivia requires so much attention um, mm-hmm. that I need m- this journal because it's going to help me talk through things. And it's going to give me a second support system of online viewers, a lot of which are family and friends, but a lot of which are new fam- new f- now family to us, um, new friends and family to help me. Um, I would talk about it at beginning of the day to the end of the day if it were up to me. My husband's going to want to talk about it for five to ten minutes, and then he's going to move on. He still wants to talk about the project in the backyard, or he still wants to talk about you know, an activity that they're doing on a weekend or a sports game where I'm like, no, my mind's not there. Um, so he needs to make sure he has his time and I have my time doing the things that drive me. And right now, Olivia is my main and only driving force. Mm-hmm. Is your son, um, is he older or is he younger than Olivia? Yeah, my son Liam is 10 months old. He's So he's younger than Olivia. I was mm-hmm. 35 weeks pregnant when we got our diagnosis. So there was a 25% chance that this is a recessive disorder that he also had this. So mm-hmm. um, the workup and then the la- once we got her diagnosis in the last five weeks of my pregnancy was not what I expected a pregnancy to be like. You know, I should be thinking about this baby in my stomach and I should be worried about that. And I was just, my mind was on Olivia. Mm-hmm. So he does not have San Filippo syndrome five, four, maybe four weeks after he was born, his cheek swab genetics came back. Um, He is a carrier, which means he got one of the two bad genes. So his future spouse would need to be tested to make sure that, that um, they do not have San Filippo or have the, a carrier as well. Mm -hmm. But it almost like really hurt my heart when I found out that he did it because I knew Olivia was alone in this. Yeah. You know, not that I ever wished this on him, but it just made me feel more sad for her. Mm-hmm. Do you think that she knows and understands that she's different? Or do you just try and treat her as, you know, you're, I mean, even your videos, she's so special. She's <laughs> so cute. And just to show like, you're just, you're just Olivia. You're not different. You're just Olivia. Is that something that you kind of keep in your household, especially now as your son gets older and he'll see that they are different? I mean, how are you? I mean, I can't can't even begin to imagine. How do you start that with him knowing like she's not going to be here forever? She's not going to be your companion. That That's why you have siblings. Yeah. So how do you prepare that? I mean, does she know that she's different? She doesn't know. Um, it's not that we haven't told her. She just doesn't have the cognitive ability to really grasp it. She's not there yet. Um, Mm -hmm. her speech is very limited. We ask her what is, what would be a simple question for a a three-year-old, you know, what's your favorite color, anything open-ended. She doesn't understand. It's a yes or a no thing mainly for her. Um, Mm -hmm. so I've, I've held her in my arms when I've explained, you know, what's going on and none of it makes it in, you know, maybe, Maybe a little bit does, but I don't think so. Um, How we're going to handle it with Liam? You know, if he was older than her, I think it would be easier in some ways because he would get it. He would be a little bit more of a bigger helper. 
from the beginning, um, but it'll just take us longer for him to get to that big brother. It won't be long before he exceeds her in terms of his physical and mental abilities. And I think we just keep, from what I've, I've talked to a lot of parents that have multiple, you know, siblings of San Filippo um, kids, and it's, it's hard. It's, you have to really tailor it to your child and their, their questions and their desires. I'm not going to hide anything from him. I'm certainly willing to answer any questions that he has. I want him to know exactly what's going on, but probably once it gets to the point where I feel like he can truly grasp what's going on with her, he, um, he will likely become, you know, her biggest helper, her biggest supporter. It's going to be hard at the beginning to parent the different disciplines, I think, because mm-hmm. we'll want, you know, we'll be a little bit more stern. I would think we'll be more stern with him and more patient with her, and he might not understand that. And I think pretty early on we'll have to explain, you know, your sister's different. She's really special. Mm-hmm. I think that's the hardest part. I had another mother on when we were talking about a special needs child and she has other children. And that was always a concern of hers of, I don't want my daughter who has special needs to miss out, but I also don't want my other children to miss out just because my attention is going towards my daughter. And it's this balance, like you said, of not having that guilt and carrying that guilt, but you're having to parent differently within the same household. And I always say, you know, we're only given what we can handle. Seeing your just, you're so classy, you're so simple, and you're so sweet on your social media, just educating people, and especially with other families that may sit and say, okay, you know, my child has this trait and this trait, maybe this is what's wrong, but it's something where you're educating so many while keeping this poise and etiquette, of, but also fear at the same time of, I know what's coming. I'm, I'm accepting it. And especially with this episode, just because you have a special needs child, it doesn't mean every day. Like she said, you don't have to accept it. It's okay to go through those emotions and those feelings. And, you know, you may have a terrible day, but you have tomorrow. And so it's always focusing on what you're able to work with, with what you're given today. And I mean, I read so many of the comments on TikTok. I mean, TikTok is great, but then there's also an ugly side of it. And, um, it's amazing the sense of community that you can pull around you. And so many people are like, I've never heard of this. I mean, I shared it with my mom. I think it was midnight. I woke her up and I'm like, watch this. You have to watch this. And she's like, I've never heard of that. And she works for the Mayo Clinic. And she's like, this is, this is unbelievable. So I think with you being so vulnerable and telling us Olivia's story, you're also helping out so many, even in the future that, you know, they may be able to test their children. And like you said, you know, testing siblings, that's really important for his future to kind of see, okay, this is what my life looks like when I have a spouse, when I have my own children. I can't even, I can't even begin to imagine just the day-to-day roller coaster of emotions and still holding on to that moment that you have with her. She's, like I said, she's so cute. Like her smile (laughs) is just the cutest I've ever seen. She is pretty darn cute. Yeah. We, um, we, I had my first mom, who got her Sam Filippo diagnosis for her daughter after seeing Olivia's video. She saw it on Christmas Eve and she didn't reach out to me until a couple weeks later. She let it, she watched through all of her videos. And when she shared her daughter's story with me on a personal message, I knew like 
it just, you know, I didn't want to say that because you never know, but I, I knew. And that was like, I thought, you know, this is why I'm doing this. I'm here to advocate, to get the story out, to get her symptoms out so that maybe another family could be diagnosed earlier. An earlier diagnosis is so critical because for two reasons, if there is a clinical trial available, the earlier, the better, their cognition is still more intact. They, they can qualify better for the clinical trials, but two for the parents so that they have an answer, even though it's not a good answer, they have an answer to why they're going through everything they're going through. So for me, I was like, this is what I'm doing. This is, you know, the goal of this. And then I find out that someone was diagnosed after seeing Olivia's video and I'm a piece of their story now, a piece of the darkness of their story. You know, that's, that was really hard. I was, I found that out and it just, it's, you know, just another kid that doesn't deserve this. Another mom that doesn't deserve this. Another family that's going to lose a sibling way too early. It's like incredibly emotional from all angles. Yeah, you're trying to be a mom and you never expect this. Mm-hmm. I was looking in research and looking at the website and it's something where so many of these children, their their physical appearance is very similar, especially with this diagnosis. There's a lot of traits that you can see when you're scrolling. You know, they, they're very similar in certain, you know, facial features and stuff like that. Um, with this community and this diagnosis, have you found, you know, obviously a support system is so important when it comes to a special needs child and a family. Every person in the family needs that support and that sense of community. So have you kind of spoken out with other moms and kind of said like, you know, hey, you know, Olivia has this. Well, my child is, is it helpful? Or like you said, it is almost like it's so detrimental because you know, you all know what is coming. And it's almost like this, this failure of, you know, it's one more child. It's one more family. Do you feel that it's kind of helped the situation or? So the online community, the hashtag San Filippo syndrome was one of the first things that I did following Olivia's diagnosis. And I immediately connected with a couple moms whom I still talk to today. They have been more helpful to me, nothing against the physicians. They've all, we've had a great medical team for Olivia's care, but they've maybe seen one patient with this ever, or maybe they had 30 minutes in one class in medical school about this. And that is it. So a San Filippo mom is of greater help to me than anybody, any physician that I could possibly see or for Olivia. Mm -hmm. They're there for the emotional side of things. They're there for the, you know, this helped or this didn't help, or we started this supplement, things like that. Um, and then they understand those sleepless nights. Like Olivia last night, we've entered the difficulty sleeping phase. So we've had a really rough night last night of her being up multiple times and they're there to relate because they've been there and they know how to say the right things. Um, it's hard to relate sometimes when you don't know what someone's going through or you haven't been in their shoes. And these moms have been in my shoes. And I've asked for help. And then I've also given help to newer, newer diagnosis families. And I can't tell you how, what I would do without the internet. I would be in a 
little rabbit hole. I don't know. Thank goodness for the internet <laughs> because I found so many moms through Instagram and TikTok that I would have never probably found otherwise. The Cure San Filippo Foundation has been wonderful and they have a kind of a list of all the families that are partnered with them. But there's nothing like seeing the day-to-day, seeing the struggles because we're right in it too. Um, that makes me feel a little bit more normal. With the medical care and the supplements and the things that you're trying and failing, it's expensive. And medical care, especially now, is expensive. So for listeners that are listening to this and watching this video and they're like, I want to help, I want to do something. How do we go about helping and giving back to help Olivia and all the other children that need those trials and need that assistance? So financially, our family, we have wonderful insurance and we feel very blessed with what we have. So we are asking for donations that will all go directly to the Cure San Filippo Foundation, which is directly supporting the research for type the four different types of San Filippo syndrome. Savinglive.com is her website. It links to a GoFundMe that is run half by me and half by the foundation. So all the money that is put there goes directly to them. And they are the ones that are the first site of contact for any new diagnosed family. The day that Olivia was diagnosed, Glenn, the co-founder of Cure San Filippo Foundation, called me back within minutes of my email to him. And we had a half an hour phone conversation the day Olivia was there. I mean, he was, he's incredible. So he, his, his daughter's 13, Eliza, she has San Filippo syndrome and he and his wife co-founded this foundation. So it's not been a lot, been around for that long. They've been doing this less than 10 years or about 10 years, but they have truly become the experts and they really represent the San Filippo community in the United States. And they're working internationally and they're, they're just wonderful people. They get it. Um, the wife is a pediatrician by trade. And so she's kind of the, become the chief science officer and Glenn is kind of the, the other piece of it. And together they have created this amazing community of families. And I, I also don't know what I would do without them. Well, I will make sure to put all the information in the bio, um, especially if you're listening and anything helps. Even if you're able to just share this podcast, there might be a family that needs to hear this. Then they may say, you know what? I'm going to dive down that rabbit hole. I'm going to take a look at maybe what my child's symptoms are. And it could help a family. Like you said, that early diagnosis is crucial and it's getting started. It's not a great diagnosis to hear, especially with no cure, but you can at least find out as soon as possible and then get started on accepting it and then just having it be a part of your life. Cause that's ultimately what you're dealing with in your household. It is just a part of life. And like I said, she's incredible. Her little smile is so sweet. And <laughs> I really hope that this podcast episode is shared worldwide and we're able to help. And I really appreciate you coming on and being vulnerable. I'll put your TikTok in there as well. So we can watch your journey <laughs> and your family's journey. Um, but like I said, it was an honor. I, can't even begin to imagine what you struggle and suffer with on a day-to-day basis, even as a mom of two and also keeping a household together and a career. And you're doing such an exceptional job. You are truly incredible. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. If I'd like to just say a couple more points to moms or to, to parents is if you have that mom gut or that mom instinct that, you know, something is not quite right with my chat with your child. Um, 
keep diving, keep digging. Your child is worth it. You spend every day with your child and you see your physician or the pediatrician for 30 minutes every several months. Um, you know your child the best. So listen, the symptoms that Olivia had that we sort of put in the back of our minds that now I think are really big red flags is her eye contact, um, her ability to look in the camera and smile. Those were, those were in hindsight, really big things that we overlooked. We would jump and make her laugh in order for her to, to get her to look at her camera. So that was one thing that I know a lot of um, autism is kind of ends up um, having eye contact issues. Mm-hmm. And that's often a diagnosis that San Filippo kids will get before they get the San Filippo syndrome um, diagnosis. So if maybe your child has already been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD autism, but there's more to it. Uh, maybe they're getting worse or regressing in some of their skills. Think genetics. Ask the pediatrician for a geneticist consult, especially like Olivia, those coarse, big eyebrows. She's got this low nasal bridge and this button nose and coarse hair, and she just doesn't quite look like us. Mm-hmm. So if you have that little mm, mom instinct that maybe something's not quite right, ask. It's worth it. Be the pushy mom. Be the one that sends the my chart message. <laughs> it's worth it. Absolutely. You heard her. And I, like I said, I will put all the information in the bio. Even if you might have questions, follow her Instagram, follow her TikTok. Make sure you go to the website. A little <laughs> bit goes a long way. And I cannot wait to see the journey that you share with all of us. I can't imagine opening up your entire life to the internet. But like you said, I think all of us would be lost without it. She's worth it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Little Bit of Life. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow today's episode on your favorite listening platform and share these stories to more that need to be in the know. Get in on the action with the podcast Facebook and follow the little adventures on Instagram at little cute one az. I'll catch you on the next episode.